So, uh, welcome to the second episode of the 22 Dropouts. We're a podcast <coughs> and a YouTube show. You can find us on Acast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search at 22 Dropouts. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube and Acast as well. Uh, joining me tonight, uh, the 22, uh, we've got Chris. Say hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, buddy? Uh, I am on the Titanic Brewery, uh, White Star it's called. It, I, I'm, I'm not normally a fan, but this was actually very, very nice. Um, why have you still got your pyjamas hanging on your wardrobe? <laughs> Is it not? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not even going to warrant it with a response. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's uh, tonight? We've got a little a little feature. We are now looking at what we've got for uh, one of our favourite tankards or drinking mugs. So Chris, tell me what you're drinking so, out of tonight. I, um, I tried to use a tankard like this. I'm so glad you had trousers on then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to use a tankard like this for a second. <laughs> I tried to use a tankard like this from when I wrecked the RFU Intermediate Cup final. However. I thought I my drink and there was a crack in the bottom where the base joins the actual side. So instead, you've got one from Twickenham from the Premiership final in 2018, the last of the Premiership. Oh, well, cheers, buddy. Uh, actually, um, I, I do have my tanker tonight. I'm, uh, uh, this is the one of the ones I got for doing the National Schools final at Twickenham a couple of, uh, uh, a couple of years back. Uh, and I'm on... I'm a very good mate of mine. I'm on the old flyer from Ran Ales, a tiny little uh, brewery, no bigger than my study, to be fair, uh, in Fenton in Stoke-on-Trent. Ranales.co.uk, if you fancy that. Lovely uh, 6.1%. So, uh, cheers, Chris. No, 6.1% on a Monday. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bank holiday, mate. Bank holiday. Uh, <laughs> Sally, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Mike. How are you? Fantastic, buddy. Uh, say hello, Sammy, to everybody. Go on, give us a wave, Sammy. Sammy. What are you drinking tonight, Sammy? Uh, I've got a new regime, so I'm on the water. However, local beer um, called Just Jane, the same name as uh, the only fine Lancaster bomber that's going here, uh, based in Lincolnshire. brewed and bottled at the Ferry Ales Brewery. Uh, Fiskerton Lincoln, uh, the same company that I had to hear from in episode one. Very nice. Very good. Well, uh, cheers to your water, mate. Um, you big girl. Uh, there you go. No, we drink responsibly, and uh, if you don't want to drink Monday to Friday, then tank up on the Saturday, Sunday. That's fine. Uh, just remember, <laughs> Guinness Clear is available. Uh, Tom, um, please tell yeah. me you are not going to bring out the Bucks Fizz tonight. Not tonight, not tonight. I haven't opened the bottle uh, as a family today. I'm actually on a sofa press. Gone for a cider today, nice fruity to go with the nice weather. Um, I would have you were Bucks Fizz, mate. I'm not going to lie. Very good indeed. Uh, and what do you... Please don't tell me your favourite drinking receptacle is the can. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I have got it in a, just a normal pint glass. Um, all of my, um, all of my uh, uh, normal glasses and cups from all the various rugby clubs I've been to all stuck at my address at university. So while I'm back home, I have to make do with what we have in the cupboard. So until we're uh, out of lockdown, stuck on plain old pint glasses, nick from the local. Two fingers. Two fingers. <laughs> Two fingers, yeah. Come on, fingers. Two fingers. Two fingers. You could have at least made a decent story. Feeble excuse. Feeble excuse. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess it's because there is limited storage on your daddy's boat, isn't it? There is, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, Sam, over to you. Right, this is me then, Sam. Okay, the other Sam. All right, yeah, um, yeah. So we're evening, guys. How you doing? Uh, drinking water at the HSBC Canada Sevens uh, flask. Uh, just uh, you know, part of the gifts that you get when you go over and do tech zone and stuff. So that's my favourite drinking receptacle. And yes, it's on water. Uh, that's only because it needs. To, you need to have hot drinks over there in uh, February, March time in Vancouver. is a little bit chilly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need plenty. You need plenty of fluids, and not just uh, coffee and water. 
Uh, <laughs> I'll let you off then, mate. And Roy, hi, how are you doing, Roy? Good evening, everybody. I am representing another one of my local breweries tonight. I have a growler from Cycle Brewery. Um, and in there is a, uh, a nice porter called Jamaica Me Jittery, which is a coffee porter. Mm. And I am drinking it from my favorite tankard, um, which is uh, from one of my old rugby clubs. Um, we seem to have lost Lawrence at the moment. Can anybody see Lawrence? Oh, here he is. I've found him again. Lawrence, hi. How are you doing, mate? You've um, you fixed the electricity then, dude? Uh, not yet, really. I'm just using some LED lamp uh, over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you can't get uh, you can't get any drink at the moment over there. So what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I'm on what scientist term a fluid that has two hydrogens and one oxygen, and that's basically water. Oh, and you've you've <laughs> you've got just a plain glass as well, mate. <laughs> Yeah, because I guess, uh, uh, all my rugby mugs are in uh, the university and so I had to get back home. Super. Uh, so, uh, what, new, new tonight, uh, joining the 22, we've got all the way from South Africa, Richard. Uh, say hello, Richard. Hi, James. How are you? Uh, great, mate. Great. Um, what's going on with that hair? Yeah, it's not Just take a look at this picture. Take a look at this picture, Richard. This is what he used to look like when we knew him in Dubai. Oh, isn't he sweet? It's almost like Lawrence's picture from last time. But, but have a look at this one because Richard and I know each other. Uh, and, and I know Sam's got a story about Rich that he's going to tell in a minute. Oh, um, no. But we we bumped into uh, Richard and, and uh, Willem in the uh, in the hotel reception on the very first morning, and decided to go for a little stroll, didn't we? Yeah, not a little stroll, but <laughs> so uh, basically, Mike decided if you can see something, you can walk to it. Uh, five kilometers later, we still couldn't get at the birds all up, so we just stopped and had a beer and we went home. <laughs> and that's, I think, your first, that looks like your first beer ever, actually, in that photograph. <laughs> Never mind, your first one in Dubai. <laughs> Luckily not. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, but you are quite famous. Did you, did you know that? Now, Sam, not. tell him why he's famous. Uh, yeah, do you, do you want to tell a little story about someone that you might have, uh, well, not might have, you actually red carded, mate, in uh, Dubai? Oh yes, I uh, I heard uh, Mike said you might uh, want the story, but uh, I I had the I had the red card here, as you can see, uh, Mike Phillips signed it also. So you all, you all Mike Phillips. Uh, so yeah, in my I think day two, my third match, uh, I had four cards in that game. Mike Phillips just went in with a shoulder to the head of another player. I didn't give a shit who he was. Actually, I'm too young. I just pulled the card and sent him off in the change. Sam was, who gave Mike uh, Phillips a red card? And I'm like, yeah, it was me. It's no big deal. It's just another player. Then I went to Google. I actually Googled no, no. and found out as a Wales legend. Yeah. No, no big deal at all. Only discarded a Lions legend, Mikey Phillips. Can you believe that? <laughs> Lions legend discarded by the, one of the youngest ever referees in Dubai. And it, it's a, um, Sam did a little bit of research on Mike Phillips th this morning, didn't you, Sam? Yeah. Can, can you actually believe this? And we know how Mikey Phillips is one of those players, but according to the, the history, he's never actually had a red card before. So it looks like you know. And, and he, he's actually doing a card. Card. Uh, that's some drunk. That's great, isn't it? You've got there that signed red card there, mate. Absolutely lovely momentum. Yeah, <clears throat> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, 
we've also got with us, uh, well, it says Daryl and Melissa on my screen, but I'm hoping it's Daryl. Say hi, Daryl. Hi there, guys. How is everyone? Hey, how you doing, Daryl? Fantastic, mate. You? Yeah, fine, thank you. Yeah, well, the reason it's Daryl and Melissa is because we have to share the account. So, you know, she set it up. So. <laughs> Trust me, I wouldn't take her name off. You know it's free, don't you? (laughs) You don't have to share, it is free. So, uh, what are you drinking tonight, Daryl? There's only one beer that comes from Suffolk that's any good. That's cool. (laughs) Good ship. Very nice. And I'm not normally a home drinker, but now, of course, uh, well, actually, I am a home drinker. When I'm at home, there's only one drink to drink, which is wine, of course. And um, but so now I'm um, having to drink it out of a can. I don't really have a special glass at home, um, so uh, you know I'm, I am being uncouth tonight and taking it from a from the can when I can. <laughs> well, cheers to your special can uh, and your local brew. Um, and you can't be. So, Daryl, just tell us a little bit more about what you do. Uh, what I do, um, so I am um, an assistant referee for the PGMOT in um, England, so uh, the professional game team provide match officials to um, Premiership, Championship and European. Um, I've been an assistant referee now for um, a lot of years, probably about uh, 16, 17 years and done something like uh, six to 600 to 700 games um, in the National wow. League. In the profession, in professional rugby. So, um, yeah, I'm um, I'm in the twilight of my career, as I keep getting told regularly. And uh, these grey hairs are not there because I die as a natural. We've got another photo of you, mate, and that's looking right down. It's a good job you haven't got a bald spot like me. Have a look at this photo. <laughs> <laughs> that was you on the Sevens tour with us last year. I can't, you look I can't great see in orange, that, mate. I can't see that one. Oh, you will. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, the magic you know. of TV, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, so I, I'm glad to be here, guys. Oh, nice to meet you. And you, mate. Uh, and we've also got um, straight straight out of Broadmoor or Balmarsh or something tonight. Ian's joining us. Uh, first time he's been free for a while, isn't it, mate? It is. I've been a bit busy. Yeah. <laughs> mate, what is that? You're, you're rocking that haircut, aren't you? I like that. It was uh, so, so. Me and the missus said that she's an hairdresser, so we had a discussion about whether I should have it, it doesn't done. Doesn't show. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> we had a discussion about it, and then we compromised and did what she wanted. So she shaved it all off. At least she knows where he's done. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chris, we all do, mate. We all do. Yeah, every married man on this group now is nodding. Oh, we yeah. all know where we stand. <laughs> so, um, I guess you're probably not drinking tonight, given what's going on in your work. No, I am currently on a, uh, a cup of tea. If you can see my mug, it's the rugby aficionado's mug. Uh, the reason I've got that tonight is because I was the first one I got out of the cupboard. Um, but I've also got some H2O as well, should we need it. Uh, <laughs> and, stuff, and, and, and on your photo, you look really, really professional, um, standing there in your in your nice RFU top. But as soon as he could, at the Chester Sevens, take a look at this photo. He was there hobnobbing with the good and the greats of the game. Look, the good and greats of Sam and Chris, and there's this other ball bloke at the end. I think his name might be Phil Greening, but I don't know why he's in the photo. No, before we uh, before we go and take a break, guys, uh, it, it is. It is a, a difficult time for a lot of people. We're all stuck indoors. That's why this, uh, this podcast and show started. It's just simply because we got bored and we wanted to have a beer together. Um, so we look, we're looking after our mental health or mental health of somebody around us anyway. So I just want to reiterate the message of stay at home uh, and save lives. Uh, we're going to take a short break now, uh, but we'll be back right after this.
now another sleeping giant of rugby. Uh, we know that from last week that uh, Rugby USA, USA Rugby has been in the doldrums with its finances. Uh, and then it decided it wanted to make the headlines again this week uh, when it announced that we were uh, going to have a draft. And all the way from San Diego, um, joining us tonight, our special guest is uh, JD, who's the High Performance Manager for USA Rugby. Hi, JD. How are you doing? Good, mate. How are you guys doing? Yeah, fantastic, mate. So, what's all this draft about, mate? So uh, we've got our, what's our third iteration, if you would, of a professional league in the US. You know, our first uh, early kind of 2000s uh, was the Super League, uh, then progressed into pro rugby. Uh, unfortunately, pro rugby is only around for one year, and, and, it, and it seems now that, um, fortunately, we've got the, well, Major League Rugby has, has seemingly got the, uh, the recipe right. Um, so this is, this is born out of Major League Rugby and, and, and what we have in the US, and it's a little bit different, as you can imagine, around the world. But from an eligibility standpoint, um, there's a, an amateurism component of collegiate sports. Um, so you can imagine that once a person declares for a draft similar to the NFL, uh, you know, NBA type thing, obviously they lose their collegiate eligibility same thing goes in rugby, um, even though we're not to the, you know, we're not to the standard of our other NCAA sports. Uh, so what it is, is a way to kind of clear up some of the confusion um, and, and to have a, a mechanism, if you would, that, that players can put their uh, name in the ring and they're able to, uh, to be selected um, for a club. So that's the, the kind of theory or the gist of it. Um, obviously, in terms of the practicalities component, um, you know, there is some things that, that uh, make sense for having a draft. And then, you know, the other side of the coin is there's some things that are, are going to need to be workarounds as well, as you can imagine. So what's the draft trying to achieve? So I, simply put, it's, I mean, it's twofold. It's allowing players that may have not uh, necessarily been on the radar or, or identified by um, major league rugby programs or franchises to, to put their hand up. You know, the second thing I think from just from a, a continuity standpoint that general managers and head coaches are able to kind of future-proof their teams a little bit better. As you can imagine, it's been very reactionary. Um, these are the players we're going to grab. We go after them year on year. Um, and we're looking at purely the graduating seniors. Now what they're able to do is look down a little bit earlier um, find out those players who they have in their system and then, then hopefully, in theory, be able to develop a little bit better of a, uh, a robust playing pool because uh, in the early years, you know, what we were having was, uh, you know, general managers that were potentially over-recruiting or under-recruiting certain positional groups and, as you can imagine, that's just all trial by fire. So, um, you know, and my opinion for what it's worth is that, you know, it is to, is to, you know, twofold to help alleviate some of the stresses on general managers and, and you know, the actual uh, perpetuity of programs. But the second piece is actually there, um, you know, and, and the greater scope of it is, is giving um, opportunities for players that feel that they may not have been seen by an MLR club or, or they have to bang down the door themselves. Okay. Uh, Chris, you wanted to ask JD something on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Friday's been quite vocal about sort of his hesitation with the MLR and how the MLR can work closer with the Sevens programme nationally. What do you think this means for some of the... Uh, what do you think this means for the Sevens programme in the States? Yeah, so, I mean, there is, as you can imagine, there's a point of contention there with it, um, which is the fact that uh, a lot of... What we have to do with, with anyone that works within the US and, and, you know, we hope that we're aligned. So we hope that we're pulling in the same direction. So obviously for the pathway programs and for what Mike's trying to advocate is the development of American players that will go on and represent the US. Um, as you can imagine, the, the flip side, what I kind of alluded to before was the fact that when you draft someone, you are drafting their rights if they do accept that contract. Um, 
you know, from, from USA rugby standpoint, you know, we have a sanctioning agreement with major league rugby. Um, we are looking to work through a, a more kind of formalized, uh, uh, MOU and some addendums that would actually allow and advocate for um, the, the, I guess if you would, the, the ability to sign those players that have been identified in the sevens pool, um, an issue that, that we, that I believe Mike's kind of, um, you know, question is you can imagine a, a really talented young sevens player coming through the ranks. Um, if they, jump in the draft. Now, remember, you have to put your name forward in the draft. It's not like you can just pick off a kid and say he's ours. So the, the player itself has to nominate themselves forward. And then, obviously, from there, they actually have to accept that draft. So there is still it's, – it's not, you know, it's not just grabbing players and, and holding them without, um, you know, a structure or a, a, a give and take. Um, but, you know, you can imagine Geezer's concern, though, is the fact that some teams may stockpile quality future players. Um, and, and, you know, the other piece there is that we want to make sure that, that players are informed in terms of how the whole system works with their rights. Because, again, the last thing we want to do is lead a player down um, a situation that might not be suitable for them. You know, a, a young emerging um, uh, you know, five eight, for example, fly half um, that's um, going to a club that has three of you know three really quality tens, and they'll be lucky to get a few minutes playing in their academy. So there is that management piece there of of our talented players, and especially in some key positional groups that you can imagine that most tier twos are struggling for. And, and for us, it's it's halfbacks, nines and tens, you know, tight five boys as well. Um, but those halves that do matriculate through end up, you know being a part of the Sevens program, which is, is, has been pretty successful. Yeah, um, JD, mate, honestly, and I think, you know, some of the other guys will probably agree here, but I said, you know, out loud years and years ago before, you know, Scotland went over there and got spanked by the US a few years back, that, um, that I think USA Rugby, honestly, is waking the sleeping giant because when US proper takes it seriously, and all the you know the college stuff starts coming through and everything. There's not going to be a country in the world that's going to manage to cope with what the US can do, and not even the top teams. And I'm including New Zealand in that. There'll not be a damn thing they can do. I reckon within five years of when these guys actually take it properly seriously, you you'll have it. Yeah, you know, I, I I just can't see any other nation being able to cope. No, I mean that's been that's been up there, mate. We've we've definitely got the uh, we've definitely got the athlete pool. Um, as you can imagine, that that I mean, just look at any of the sports. I mean, I think that you know the issue that we that we do, as you can imagine, run into. Um, just I mean, and, and think about where all of us kind of come from here. Is is think about your best players that um, may have went football, um, may have went and, and played, you know, Australian rules rugby league type thing. Um, the best players aren't actually playing the sport. Sorry, let me phrase that. Not the best players. The best athletes aren't playing the sport. Um, yeah. Between that 18 to 22, 23, which, which we do know is that kind of clutch um, time in terms of that accelerated development of players. Um, so you can imagine that for us, you know, we want to widen the scope of players at 16 and 17, give them great opportunities before we lose them to um, going to play American football, going to basketball, and then be able to, to um, bring them back into the system and then fast track them back through. Um, but you can imagine for us though, again, and, and it's not a knock on our, our current crop of, you know, collegiate players. We've got some extremely talented players is that sometimes that the, the width and the scope of the country is actually quite overwhelming. Whereas, you know, but, you know, for, for the Scots, you know, you can centralise in two locations. You can push people from borders everywhere to go to, you know, your two hubs and develop. Whereas for us, it's it's 50 states with 50 different opinions and, and it's sometimes it's like herding cats. Well, you, you've definitely got a job on your hands. That's, that's where, you know, yeah. you can, can't even think of how difficult it's going to be or what you have got to get together to actually put everything together. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, I just think you've got, it's literally waking the sleeping giant. And I don't know whose bright idea it was, but I think we should have just kept on there. 
<laughs> Give him another pint, put him back to bed, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I know it's, uh, it's only lunchtime over in San Diego, mate, uh, and we normally uh, toast with responsible drinking over here. Um, what are you drinking today, considering it is, uh, what, 25 past midday? Mate, it's it's actually just a it's just a coffee, unfortunately, to let you down, boys. Um, and is it in your favourite mug? It is actually, yeah. Got a, a nice little Barcelona mug there that's uh, proudly proudly sporting that the the missus brewed up for me. So, um, yeah, sorry to disappoint, boys. I know you've <laughs> I know you've got to leave us uh, now. So, uh, cheers from all of us. Um, and we look forward to welcoming you on the show again soon, mate. Take care. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. Roy, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so it, it is. Um, what JD didn't touch on too much when he was talking just then was um, the the situation the draft puts him in as uh, he's basically a high performance manager, high performance scout for the sevens program. Um, and so the potential here is for the top college players to enter into a draft to go to the MLR, which is a totally separate entity to USA rugby. So now he's in competition with us uh, with the MLR for players. Um, and this whole situation is mirrored right across the country right now, with all the uncertainty that's been created by USA Rugby going into bankruptcy, you've got so many different organizations um, doing, the easiest way to describe it is a land grab, a territory grab, or they're all trying to protect their own little fiefdoms. I mean, as educators, we can't educate right now because USA Rugby is recognized by World Rugby, and as educators, we're all part of USA Rugby. So. World Rugby won't let us educate because our governing body doesn't really exist. And then in the news this week, we get um, word that there is talk of a second professional league being started in the country. Um, so it's just that there's just so many different things going on. It's, it's difficult to keep track of who's doing what to whom right now. Just to, just to confirm, is MLR a completely separate entity to USA Rugby? Yes. Right, okay. That makes more sense then. Can he, uh, can he not pull players if they have an international break during the fixtures to go off and complete in sevens? Or they, uh, they have not um, got any type of agreement like, uh, like you do in England right now where there's, a, there's an international window. Um, there is, uh, as of right now, that, that I'm aware of anyway, there's no agreement between um, um, the MLR and USA Rugby. But USA Sevens um, are—they are professional Sevens players. They basically operate as a, a separate business year-round. So the um, USA Sevens then—is that? You, did, did I get that right? That's a completely different entity to MLR and USA Rugby. USA Sevens is part of USA Rugby. Um, MLR is a totally separate entity altogether. They are not part of USA Rugby. They are a separate business model. It is professional. All the teams are privately owned. Um, and the MLR is its own business entity. So the USA 7, does that mean they'll be able to compete on the circuit then? If, uh, um, in, even though the uh, Chapter 11 is in progress? Chapter, chapter 11 right now um, allows USA Rugby to go through, through a reorganization, which means a part of that reorganization is their... Um, they're two you know, professional teams, the 15s, well, more than two. I mean, 15s men's, 15s women's, sevens men, sevens women's can still operate. So uh, you know, the large amount of funding that is coming from World Rugby um, to keep USA Rugby afloat um, is probably primarily directed to keeping the, uh, the pro teams afloat. 
the national teams are closed. I think I think it's one of those situations that is just going to keep riding and riding. I think it's going to there's going to be a lot more information and a lot of changes before it gets sorted, without a doubt. Yeah, as long as as long as they're allowed to remain in Chapter 11 uh, and go through the reorganisation, there is a whole scheduled plan of reorganisation that is laid down, and that's what's going through approval in the courts right now. Um, as long as that is accepted by the bankruptcy court, then you know we will see a slow emergence. You know, well, hopefully not too slow. The timeline is pretty specific and pretty quick as to what they have to do um, to, to survive and, and come out of it. Roy, I just wondered, actually, um, USA Rugby, so, I mean, at the end of the day, take all the other international countries, you know, like England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, you know, France, when, when South Africa and New Zealand, all those countries that, you know, when rugby turned pro in 95, 96, Really, USA Rugby are still playing catch up on that. So, all, all the countries that have had that all that time to get you know things in the right order, some countries still haven't got in the right order. And we know you know who they are, but we won't mention them. Um, and at the end of the day, USA Rugby is going to go through a lot of turmoil and a lot of things you know to get everything in line to make it work. And it's going to take time, money, and a huge effort from everyone. That, that's very true. I mean, up until uh, very recently, a larger per percentage of the, the players um, in the national team were still amateurs playing for clubs throughout the country. Um, you know, with the emergence of MLR, with the emergence of the national team on a, you know, a slightly more you know, higher footing internationally making it into the top 20 i think where they 16th or 17th rank now a lot of the more a lot of the players are being recognized and picked up um and are getting contracts you know around the world so they play you know in england in wales scotland in japan um so they're getting professional experience now we have the mlr which is uh, you know so a lot of those players have come home to support the mlr and are playing in country. You know, USA Rugby and everybody involved in it has got a massive task in hand and, you know, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of time to get it right and, um, as you know, countries that are, are well ahead of the game um, are still not even there yet, so. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's how we, yeah, we started off talking. Rugby and yourselves, like. Yeah, we started off talking with JD saying, you know, USA is the sleeping giant. We. We've been hearing that for 20-something years, you know. It's, uh, how, how many times do we have to kick this giant to wake it up? Um, you know, it's uh, hopefully, um, hopefully this is the, uh, the sizable, uh, the size 12 boot that was needed to, uh, to give them the impetus to get it right. Yeah, yeah. Best of luck. Best of luck, mate. Honestly, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we all hope that uh, USA Rugby is going to come out much bigger and much stronger. I think it will be wonderful for the, the game as a whole. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from Roy, JD and a few other guys over there in, in the coming weeks as well. But now... It's time for the rumour mill. Uh, and we, a few of the things we said last week came true. Uh, some of them didn't, but some of them did. Sam, <laughs> Sammy, come on, tell us about your rumour last week. It's been in the Times, hasn't it? It was. Um, I, I did uh, rather suspect this article that I read on the April Fool's, but it is true now. I read on the Gilbert website um, this morning that a team that with a company called Sportable, and won the first smart rugby ball, uh, made its first appearance at the O2 in London for the Rugby X uh, competition held earlier this year or late last year. And the technology um, is used to capture uh, ball carriers, uh, longest and shortest, if you're one of the big big boys up front. Um, fastest passing spin rate and hand on kicks. So it's a really vital tool that can be used in training and and help enhance the game if they want to take it more techno technological if they want to. But um, yeah, um, various um, people have got a quote from uh, Doug McDonald, CEO of Sportable, said it was fantastic to supercharge Rugby X tournament. You see the innovations that we have honed over the past four years, live in action at such a major event with Sportable, we want to read 
rejuvenise um, the way that people engage with the sport, both on pitch and off pitch. It's something that Walter have looked into as well, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, no, it's, it's um, something that when I've been speaking with some of the other coaches, um, when I've been coaching within the DPP, I know that Gloucester have looked into it using it at training. Um, uh, also, they, they have the offer of using it for games, but the issue is there's certain sensors that you have to have, and it would take every single Premiership club to get those sensors introduced and uh, put up around their grounds to be able to use it properly. So, something that is already out there, is already they're already talking to clubs about it, so we should see how long it takes. Tom, while you're at it, now, one of the things that did make our edit last week is Tom had a rumour about uh, about Johnny May in that um, there was a potential for Marlon Yard to go from Sale to Leicester and Johnny May to go the other way. But, uh, as, of, uh, as of a couple of days ago, things have changed, haven't they, Tom? They have indeed, and as I've seen all over Facebook and Instagram, Johnny May is coming home, so back to King's home. So uh, <laughs> if everyone gets the joke, that was very, very cringy, but it, it's going all over the place. Um, so yeah, Johnny May's moving back from Leicester to the Gloucester club where he spent his time in the academy, um, so sort of the club that kind of brought him up, and he says himself that... With him now leaving Leicester, there was no other club that he wanted to look for. He knew exactly where he wanted to go, and he's come straight back. Um, there is, however, a bit of controversy around this. Obviously, with the uh, Premiership season we love being controversy. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, it, with the whole season being postponed at the moment, and not sure when it's going to finish, um, Johnny May and most other contracts as well are due to start from the first of July. So. Be interesting to see when the new Premiership games get played, the remaining fixtures. Um, there's been actually some uh, talk, a lawyer um, has been talking, Richard Kramer, saying that it'd be very difficult for these clubs. There's nothing really out there which outlines for this kind of situation. Um, some players and some clubs will probably say that they had him for this current season, so therefore they want to keep him for the whole of the rest of that season. But as far as clubs such as Gloucester will be concerned, which are the, uh, concerned with Johnny May, um, they're going to start paying him from the 1st of July. So they'll want him playing with them and training with them from then. So it's going to be really difficult. Um, I'm sure that the uh, Rugby Player Association and the RFU, along with Premiership Rugby, will be having lots of talks about how they can resolve this. But we will... Uh, Wait and see what happens here. Uh, yeah, I think that's just going to be a suck it and see, isn't it? Um, now, Chris, um, you've got something from World Rugby, haven't you? Yeah, so um, Agustin Pichot has um, announced he is running for World Rugby chairman uh, in next month's election. And he's been backed by some uh, high-profile names, including Sir Clive Woodward. Um, Pichot was... Um, Beaumont's vice chairman, um, but he's decided that he wants to run for chairman after he's going to be, uh, Beaumont is replacing him with Bernard Lepaul from French rugby. Uh, Pichot has come out and said it's time to think of a sport where professional and commercial income is becoming a true benefit for all by empowering rugby's growth around the world and by moving on from the time where those benefits were for just a few. He's also said every single boy and girl playing the game must be our priority, our true obsession. He really, really wants, from what I've seen, to grow the youth game, implement rules, uh, implement new laws uh, and new values that help to promote the youth game and protect younger players as well. Um, doesn't doesn't so, yeah. he want a video game? He does, right. So this is where... <laughs> so as someone who plays... Video games. My first, my first console was a PlayStation Two, and I stand to the statement <laughs> that Rugby 06 was the best rugby game to ever be put out, ever. That's because it had oh, time disagrees. Disagrees. For me, it's always been John Olomu. Not uh, Rugby, yeah. rugby the 06 was the best was game game. Well, that's because. That's because Rugby 06 was actually backed by EA Sports and it's never been backed by them since. Um, since then, I think I've opened up a can of worms. <laughs> standard of rugby game. They tried to they tried to bring one they tried to bring out rugby challenge, I think it was three or four, uh, in twenty seventeen. And it was 
dreadful. The graphics were worse than they were in 2006. Uh, okay. Um, you see, this is why I don't have a games cult. So, uh, <laughs> in, in Chris's opinion, very ass. Oh, come on. Mate. <laughs> no, who, who's heard about George Cruz going to Japan? I heard about that a couple of weeks ago, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're the curve, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> God, at this rate, you and Farrell will be ahead of me. Savage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's never been in front, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it must have been Lawrence who broke this story, and it's just taken a while to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> on, on his internet. Is Lawrence still with us? <laughs> Lawrence is, yeah. yeah. Lawrence, yeah, there, there must be some there must be some rumours coming out of Kenya, mate. <laughs> um, probably yeah. the, 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 the edition uh, just told you of the clubs uh, trying to trying to question the decision Kenya Rugby Union made. Um, they actually said uh, in a club written to all the club chairman and to the Kenya Rugby Union chairperson uh, that if the union doesn't give them uh, the consent or the decision that they want, of which is to suspend uh, the rugby still further notice, because it was too early for them to call off uh, the games. So they might head to the to a sports uh, tribunal and sue Kenya rugby, hopefully. So uh, the rumour mill continues and uh, back into English rugby. And Daryl's got some news that might affect uh, TV championship next year. Yeah, rumours are that Channel 4 may be bidding for championship rugby rights. Um, Currently, Sky takes selected games, but uh, there is a rumour that Channel 4 want to improve their rugby offering. Um, obviously, Premiership and all the other games they have access to, but um, with playing in the Championship next year, could be prospects. So let's watch this space. It's about time the Championship actually got some publicity. Sorry, Darren. Yeah. Sky take their quota of Championship games plural? Because I thought they usually only take one one a year, don't they? No, they do, they do take they do take more than that. Um, but um, interestingly, the championships, the Green King sponsorship finished at the end of would have finished at the end of this season. So we'll wait to see what happens. Is it obviously a TV? There's uh, a TV rights issue. Then there'll be a sponsor sitting on top of that as well. So, is there any is there any uh, rumours going around about who might be taking that on, or a Green King thinking of extending that deal? I I, have, I, I don't know. That's not, uh, that, I haven't heard anything about whether they're going to extend it or not. So, what else have you got from the uh, from the coalface, Daryl? No real start date yet from when the Premiership thinks it's going to kick off. All I did hear is that before they can go back to play, um, the clubs have told the RFU they want two clear weeks to get the players conditioned and back into shape. That makes, makes, sense. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it? How do you think Saracens are going to get on in the championship? Do you think that they'll put out full-strength first-team squads or do you think they'll bring through some of the academy players? Uh, I think they'll vary, mix it up slightly. Um, if they're playing, uh, depending on who they're going to play, everybody, of course, will want to have a pop at them. Um, but uh, in, in theory, they should be... They should be one of the strongest teams in the in the championship, but other sides have strengthened their squads this year. So you know, there are going to be some close games. I think it will it will uh, really depend on who they're left with at the end of the season. I can't wait for them to go come up to Nottingham away and to the changing rooms there. I'm pretty sure they're worse, they're worse than Bath, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, I think the best game away game that Saracens will have, I think, is going to Hartbury away. I reckon that there will be the whole of the Gloucestershire taking that ten minutes. Yeah. So here's a question then, Daryl. Out of the and we, we you know uh, put as many riders on this as you want, personal or whatever. Um, best and worst for you change rooms in the championship this season. Let me rate it by the sandwiches that you get delivered. That, <laughs> so that might be that, that might be a better way to stuff. Um, top 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 of the league are definitely Bedford. 
um, sandwiches and uh, Mr. Kipling cakes um, and coffee always there. Um, followed closely by Jersey, where there's always a jar of sweets as well. And, Very nice. Uh, so and so we, um, we tend to raid that before we leave. Um, and then you get, uh, when London's Scottish, you get a Tesco meal deal, which is pretty good. Um, so <laughs> that'll be interesting to see what Richmond do next year because previously they never gave you some. Um, but uh, yeah, no, generally, um, you know, referee changing rooms vary, and um, you kind of get used to them. Um, but uh, I'll, I wouldn't really say which is which is which is the best and which is the worst. Um, Tom's already said the bath is pretty tiny, which it really is, um, especially when there's seven people in there, as there was when I was there earlier in the season at Barnsley. Um, but yeah, so um, Sam is definitely the way to go. Say that again, sorry, Sam. And see, what you're trying to say is you're not putting your neck on the chopping block by saying a team is the No, I'm not saying that at all. Any, anybody who knows me is that uh, I like my food pre-match, so I'm definitely going to judge <laughs> by the sandwiches that are on offer. Yeah, yeah. Right, get your priorities. You're quite right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I've heard from Newcastle is that they found it quite hard because most teams sort of, the game's lost after 60 minutes and they tend to give up. But in the championship, there's that sort of amateur sort of um, mentality still going to the play for the full 80 minutes. Now, do you think that the Saracens are going to find that hard? Yeah, I think I think it. Uh, I, I think they'll. It will certainly be different. There'll be some battles. Some of the pitches they'll play on will be very interesting because they're not used to playing on, on pitches where, which hold more water. Um, and some of them generally do. Some of them are more uphill. As um, you know. Yeah, the, the Bedford Hill is, is notorious. Um, and you can go to Jersey and if it's been raining, it can be quite, that pitch there can be quite heavy. So they may not be used to playing on some of them surfaces. So I think they'll find a number of challenges when they get down. They can't wait for a trip abroad, can they? <laughs> I think all of their, um, all of the teams are looking forward to, 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 to welcome them. And obviously for a lot of players going to play at uh, Alliance or whatever it will become, um, you know that would probably be the pinnacle of their career to play a professional game of rugby there. So you know that that's that's important to look at that. Cool. Now, Richard, um, <laughs> what's been going on in South Africa with a former bock deciding that recreational drugs are good? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I read this morning, Joe Fonicker. He said, uh, "Well, rugby is really." Uh, be more lenient on the recreational drugs. Even stated that um, feels after a game, a long odds game, beer is very bad for you. So rather endure and allow players to go at it and after a game have a, a joint or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's recovery and health and. Just a South African to say that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so uh, in my opinion, I feel it's really not a, a level playground then. You're allowing more of the senior players to use something that the junior players can't. So it's also going to go about money. Who can get what? I feel keep the, play, uh, the playground level, allow any of the recreational drugs. Um, if you want something and do it the right way, recover, use the weeks you have, get off, spend time with the family or such. Don't try to, to put your career at risk and uh, use something that's at this moment against uh, the regulations. Very interesting here in the States, here in the States, the NFL are talking about taking marijuana off the banned list. Really? Yeah, we've had a lot of issues last season, especially in the NFL, with players uh, taking marijuana. Um, and there's been a lot of uproar with the Players Association in the NFL regarding marijuana. Well, a lot of it now is it's based around, it's not so much marijuana at the moment, it's the CBD oil and whether it's got THC in it or not. Mm -hmm. And if it's got THC, it hits you the same way as marijuana does. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's where the controversy is coming from. I think uh, Nick Benson just needs to stick to a bride, doesn't he, Bruno? <laughs> Sorry? 
Nick Abendanen's a different rumour, mate. rumour, mate. I think for the purposes of the lawyers, we should point out that Nick Abendanen has not said anybody should take recreational drugs. I know he's only on water, but that's got to be two fingers, surely. Two fingers. That's go bury your head in the sand. <laughs> the Lincolnshire the sound. Right, um, so, uh, <laughs> right I don't know where to pick this back up from now and where I can edit that out. Nick, moving on to Nick Abendon. Oh, no, no. <laughs> anyway, moving keep, on to Nick You've got to keep it in. You've got to keep it in. That's, that's what makes it the show. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's whether we get sued, mate. Moving swiftly on to Nick So So... Yeah, moving on to Nick Abendon oh, then. Fantastic, um, Nick has, he has gone to announce his retirement from rugby. Uh, now, Nick joined Claremont in 2014 uh, from uh, Bath, where he spent nine seasons. Uh, and he has said that uh, he was hoping uh, that he could put in some good performances towards the end of the season and hopefully pick up another one-year deal with another club, which clearly meant that uh, Claremont were not going to uh, extend his contract. Uh, and on the basis that he's not going to have that opportunity, he has now said that uh, it is with regret. Uh, and not a decision he wanted to make, but he is going to have to retire from rugby, pretty much with uh, with immediate uh, effect. Um, any, anybody got anything else? Now that we've probably just created a legal minefield tonight. I do have something. I do have something, but just give me two seconds. Um, yes, very quickly. Um, Tom Rees, a former Wasps player. Uh, during this whole pandemic, it's not really a rumour mill, but it's it's more sort of good at listening news, is now uh, he, he's also a frontline NHS doctor. He's taken it upon himself to go out and, you know, put, put his services out there for the general public during this time. So I, I think that's that sort, that sort of embodies what our sport's all about. Yeah. You know, it, with, with, yes, it's a professional game and everything, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're all about the community and looking after looking after everyone else and I think Tom Reed has really really embodied that in what he's done yeah absolutely yeah, you yeah, gotta, well you done Tom you got to respect that yeah and uh, and cheers Tom Reese. Um look also, I we think said it pointing out really good use of the jazz hands while Chris mentioned that as well there was lots of that going on <laughs> <laughs> Um, old joke, but it never ceases to amuse me. <laughs> um, now, at, the, at this, the start of the show, we uh, we did do a little bit, and we talked about why we set this up. Um, and it literally was just a few guys who were all rugby reps wanting to have a virtual beer during lockdown uh, as a way of, I suppose, preserving our sanity a little bit. Within our group, there's probably nobody... Who understands this more uh, and the pressure that some people put themselves under than than Sammy up in Scunthorpe, is the mate? Uh, yeah, so this year, unfortunately, one of the one of the first team squads um, did commit suicide. Um, as a club, we we tried to raise fifty k um, for Samaritans um, and a, a, ch a local charity called One for the Lads. Um, we have donations from. Uh, you name it, every club in uh, National Two North and virtually every club um, has seen the reach and it's been great. Unfortunately, we have lost another player from the 13 um, six months later, so it's, it's been quite sad. But we've had um, a local pastor come in to see, um, to see the club and we've held a, a mental health evening. Now, obviously, that was before the lockdown. Now, um, after the lockdown, we're going to continue that and hopefully continue the process. And uh, and if anyone wants to speak out, make sure you speak out. And and if it says if anyone says they're okay, ask them again because it's easy to say it once, but it's not easy to say. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Totally agree with that. Yeah, uh, absolutely, mate. Uh, I think it's really important, and and that's why we're all here is to support each other, to have a laugh, to um, to take the Mickey out of each other, but also yeah. to be there when when the guy next to us needs it as well. Yeah. Uh, to, so, to so guys, go on, Sam. 
to back that up with what um, Young Yates is saying, um, a few years back we lost our, um, uh, our international um, prop and RAF, RAF, sorry, Navy. It was the most capped prop Navy um, for the armed forces. Yeah. Um, a guy called Kyle Mason. And um, we set up a group in Malta called uh, TRI, which stands for um, Together Repair Yourself. And we have people from all over the world that have joined our group. And we've got people that have private chats, one-to-one, -one, you know, where they just need to have a chat with someone. And we put messages up through difficult times and things like that so that people can actually feel confident just to get out there and have a chat. In fact, um, you know, some of the, uh, the Malta rugby referees um, we have our kit on the shorts, we have the logo on our shorts and the other top we have, we've got the logo on the back of the top as well. Just so we keep promoting the fact that, you know, that you can actually talk, you can actually, you know, say the things that you need to say and everybody will help you and get back, you know, just <laughs> be there and support you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid. Um, now, guys, before we uh, before we finish tonight's show, we've got a couple of minutes left. Can we all just say a huge goodbye to Lawrence, please? Because um, the lights have gone off in Kenya again. Yeah, the only way Lawrence is going to know that we finished tonight is when he watches this back on YouTube. And uh, he sees us all waving to Hi, him. Lawrence. No, Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. I'm going to mate. <laughs> In fact, he, he's just messaged to say, Africa is terrible. I don't think it's quite that bad, but okay. Uh, send my love to all my age mates there uh, with a big fist bump. Uh, so fist bumps to you as well. Uh, Richard, is Africa terrible? Not at all. It's, you can go north. Then it can be terrible. I don't know. It's south. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian, can you send your missus down to Richard to do his hair? Yes, of course I can. Yeah. I did notice she made an appearance earlier on. Yeah, it's because she's galactic and stupid, mate. She thought she couldn't be seen. Yeah, so that's you, that's you and Ramage that have had an uninvited guest in the What can I say? Small apartment, you know. <laughs> as long as she's not shouted at you tonight, that's okay. Um, and if you don't I'm just that, glad she, to be fair, I'm just glad she came out and fully clothed. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else just I don't know whether that's a reference to the fact what she was doing or whether that's just an insight into the Ramage household. Goodness knows. Although the weather sometimes gets just as hot as Roy's. In fact, we're up at 20 degrees now, Roy, as well. Yeah, mate. Wow. I know. Oh, well done, Ray. That, that's how impressed he was. Wow. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm having a of sunglasses so I can see fucking uh, Roy's forehead, man. He's bumped at Chris. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, though. I'd love to ha just put a, a picture of me and Ian together just so that we can now compare foreheads. Uh, the difference is my... Yeah, the difference is nobody's cut mine to make mine look like this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been growing it for nearly four weeks. Look, so look, I'll look, it look, look, it's not forehead anymore. It's about a seven head. <laughs> You've been growing right. it for about four weeks, though, to be fair. so Yeah, this is long, actually. <laughs> very long for you. <laughs> so, uh, before we go, gents, uh, has anybody got any other nuggets of interesting conversation that they would like to share, or should we just take the mickey out of somebody else? My fault. That's about all I've got to ask. <laughs> what was that? Mike's got a bald patch. That's about all I've got to ask. That's not interesting anymore. It's old. <laughs> uh, just remember, sunshine. This is what your hair is going to look like uh, when you're older. Very soon, by the way, he's going at the moment. Very soon, have you seen the light for my hair? Bloody hell. Yeah, it's not, it's not the length of it, it's how far back it's going. 
Just bend your head. Yeah. Hey, hey, mate, you'll soon be rocking the full Batman like me here. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Except you're more like a Batwoman than Batman. Oh, Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, what is that on your wardrobe behind you? Come on, tell us what is on that on the wardrobe. Um, so it's from. Don't. That's probably his dirty pants. No, 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 no. It's, it's a good story. So this is from a um, a camp that I helped to coordinate in the summer uh, for disadvantaged children who wouldn't normally get a holiday. Um, so we put on a week long holiday camp for them. Uh, and this is this is my t-shirt with like oh. handprints and stuff. In a, in the local area, we like we we we're supporting sort of people, kids from disadvantaged backgrounds who don't know what holiday is, wouldn't normally get one. Uh, so we go out to places. We go to Birmingham, we go to farms. Uh, this year we went to Birmingham University. Um, just to do a day at their dinosaur, they've got a dinosaur museum, so we took them there for the day. Uh, but yeah, no, it's actually really, um, it's something that's very close to my heart, actually. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well done. Well, that killed the banter, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said we could take the piss out. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, well, gents, that is all we've got time for. Next week, we're joined by French seven star uh, Jonathan Legel, and he's going to talk about uh, the impact that the, uh, the current lockdown is having upon the seven seasons in the international world. Uh, and how he's uh, he's keeping fit and active, and what's going to happen if we do move uh, London and Paris to September, and Hong Kong and Singapore to October as well. Uh, gents, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, guys, don't forget to follow us on social media: Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search at Twenty Two Dropouts. Don't forget to subscribe and like us on Acast for our podcast and YouTube for our show. Uh, any comments you've got, anything that you'd like us to talk about, any rumours for us as well make sure you pop them in one of our social medias dms are always open uh but from for tonight uh from me and from what's left of my 22 after the lights have gone off in kenya uh <laughs> it is very very good night take care be safe good night everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.